Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friend Wrap. I am your host, Nicholas Lorimer, today joined by Makone Maja. Let's get into our first news story of today, and that is that once again, Panyazula Sufi and the ANC at Karting is promising to abolish e-tolls. Panyazula Sufi has said that e-tolls will be uh, having their gantries switched off and delinked beginning on the 31st of March, just in time for elections. Um, he has already promised to do this, I think, back in October last year after the medium-term budget policy statement from the Minister of Finance. And also, this is not the first time that the ANC has promised to end e-tolls. In fact, I believe pretty much every single election since e-tolls were implemented, the ANC in Karting has promised to abolish the system in some form or another. The payment rate for e-tolls is extremely low. The Organization for Undoing Tax Abuse, ARTA, uh, estimates that something like 10 to 12 percent of South Africans actually are paying their e-tail bills and uh, according to Lesufi, provincial and national governments have come up with a scheme where the province will contribute 30 percent to settling the debt accrued from uh, e-tolls and national government will pay about 70 percent of that debt so it'll still come out of taxes but it won't be paid by road users necessarily um Masufi said, we are now ready to start a new life without e-tolls and karting. This is not an easy decision, but was necessary. So, Makone, I think e-tolls is really fascinating, firstly, because of how long it's been promised to be scrapped, <laughs> and yet it's still technically with us, although that uh, sort of almost 90% non-payment figure gives you an idea of how effective it's been. Um, but also how this has been one of the most significantly effective episodes of civil disobedience in South Africa's democratic history. What's your take on the story? Yeah, I know I said on last week's show that I'm expecting the level of political stuntery and gimmickry to increase gradually as we approach, hopefully, the election date. And this is just one that the ANC keeps in their back pockets. You know, every other year we're promised that ETOLs will be will be scrapped, but at least we know that then you don't owe, right? For as long as there's a promise that e-tolls are um, going to be scrapped, we know that people don't actually have to pay. And as I said to, said to you before the show, it's, you should think of it as a sort of bad savings account, right? Because your money's just accumulating for those um, law-abiding citizens. Your money is just sitting there accumulating, although it's a bad savings account because it's being eaten gradually by inflation. Um, in terms of civil disobedience, I absolutely agree with you, Nick. I think we know from and can see from eTools that people will just never submit themselves to taxes and neither should they. Should they? I think eTools are honestly a sign of greed on the part of government. People are already paying fuel levies, um, which at present I think make up about a quarter of your fuel price at pump. Um, and depending on where the rand goes, that number can go between 25% and 50%. So three years ago, say in 2021 or in 2020, when fuel was about 14 rand per litre, um, fuel levies were, would be would make up a higher portion of that 14 rand um, per litre. But uh, again, glad to see that people will actually defy government where they get the opportunity and eat tools is one of them. Uh, unfortunately, you're not able to do that as a way when you know where taxes are already placed on the price of goods and services or um, where you have a sophisticated tax system as um, with personal income tax it's already um, it's already placed on your on your salary and it's collected um, without you having to really 
administer or sub do anything, do any administration. Um, and again, you don't even see, you don't get value for money for your fuel levies because I think Statsa says about 12% of those fuel levies are actually used for road maintenance and road refurbishments. Um, and the rest of the 78%, it says, um, is opaque as to where in the budget um, that money is spent. So no, definitely not paying e-tolls and certainly not under the veneer that it's going towards the maintenance or the upkeep of roads. That's clearly not true. The introduction of e-tolls only saw um, things like potholes get worse, things like road safety um, get worse, right? So yeah, I, this is a, a proud one for me just to see uh, defiance of further taxes in, in the country. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we'll see whether it's going to be dismissed this time. Um, but I think uh, the chances are actually pretty good that finally it may be, in fact, abolished. Um, I think we have been moving inexorably in that direction for a while now. But it was really fascinating to see in the ETOL's case how effective uh, South African civil society can be if lots of South Africans stand up and join in. Um, it was... Uh, supported by a very wide variety of South African civil society groups and genuine popular support. And as a result, the system just never got off the ground. And as a result, uh, uh, you know, it's not it's not even really a question of whether to get rid of it or not. It's just a question of how do we get rid of it at this point, because it's been such a failure as a revenue collection system. Okay, let's move on to our next story. And we are once again talking about the cost of the National Health Insurance Plan. This is the idea of the state that is currently moving towards the president's desk for signing into law of a new health system which will effectively create a, a government-run insurance company that will dominate the health insurance sector. Uh, it's not entirely clear how much all of this is going to cost, but costing estimates have been extremely high um, for this project. A recent re review done by FTI Consulting looked at how much the NHI would cost, and they estimate about 200 billion rand. To put that into perspective, that's more than half of all of the VAT tax paid. That's 62% of all the corporate tax paid. That's more than a third of all of the personal income tax paid. That's something like 12% of the country's entire tax revenue. And in order to fund this 200 billion rand, if you divided that cost between every single worker in South Africa, that would be an extra 1,565 rand in taxes per month. Essentially, a reduction in everyone's salary by the price of about 1,500 rand, which is actually kind of similar to what a private health insurance plan costs on the low end. So one really wonders what... Uh, <laughs> you know what the point of all this is i mean obviously it's not necessarily going to be divided equally amongst all south african workers um uh, but still i think it gives you an idea of just how expensive this system is mccornia what do you make of these estimates done by fti consulting this is one of the models i've seen for how much rolling out something like the nhi would be i've seen uh, a model that was commissioned by Business Unity South Africa in partnership with Business Leadership South Africa. And they had, I think, had said that would have to go up by about 2 to 3%. And so would, so too with the um, corporate tax, which was actually reduced as of 1 April 2022. So it wouldn't exactly work now to go back and review or revise those numbers to up corporate tax 
and then think of increasing the VAT rate in an election year just seems highly implausible to me. And I guess that's at least some of the reasons why there's been a stalling of sorts on the part of the president, because the bill is in front of his table, as I understand. It's just waiting for him to attach his signature for it to be signed into law. And so it seems the crunching of the numbers is just not happening. In addition to tax increases, the government would also have to look at cutting back on spending, which, I mean, I just don't see happening, although um, they, they could cut back spending, but it's just not going to add up to 200 billion or even half of that amount as you've expressed. It's, it's just so much government revenue would be required to attain those exorbitantly high numbers. And even when you talk about how that 1,500 is actually entry-level medical aid plans, that number could go low, right? If 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 government allowed it to, if it allowed for competitive, um, cheaper options for, for benefits, for insurance coverage, but they are not, they are blocking um, people from accessing those. So I, I, I don't see this one happening, but let's see what comes out of the budget speech um, tomorrow. Indeed, and I suspect the way that government will try to deal with this problem is that they will uh, implement it in stages so as to avoid having to pay the full cost up front. And that just sort of means that the entire system will become a giant mess. Never mind that NHI itself is certain, uh, I think, to fail due to a number of problems with it, um, not least of which will be the enormous opportunity for corruption that the system will likely have. Okay, uh, let's move on to our last story. And this is about the South African unemployment rate and about how to get it down. So the latest unemployment stats have come up. Uh, these are for the fourth quarter of 2023. And they show that unemployment is pretty much in the same place that it was in the previous quarter. And this is a general trend that South Africa's unemployment rate has either gone up or stayed fairly flat for a while now. Um, the official unemployment rate is 32.1%, but if you include people who've given up searching for work, it's about 41.1%. Uh, as per usual, the industries that seem to be gaining the most employees are finance, um, and the ones that are losing the most are things like manufacturing. Uh, at the same time, uh, the Institute of Race Relations has put out a report on how to get us to what uh, we call the sort of magic number of 7% growth, which would see our economy double in 10 years. Um, that's an ambitious number of growth, and South Africa, I don't think, has reached that since the 60s, I think I'm correct in saying. But it's necessary if we want to actually start reducing poverty. Um, McCorney, do you agree? What's your take on this? Yeah, I'm very proud of that paper, The Blueprint for Growth by um, John Angers. I think he does and makes a very compelling case for how to attain growth, right? And how that's pro-poor and how the current trajectory of South Africa, just in terms of that restrictive labor market, which is reflected in unemployment numbers like manufacturing, which would likely attract those low-skilled employees, manufacturing and mining. Um, you're not seeing any any growth. It, those industries just continue to take knock after knock after knock because of just not only the restrictive um, labor environment, but also those impediments on growth in logistics and um, in energy. I think John makes a compelling case for how 
things like investment, things like um, strengthening property rights, um, opposing things like expropriation without compensation, how curbing crime, right, um, in order to reinforce and attract um, investment and increase our gross fixed capital formation. He makes a compelling case for how all of those things are key to move South Africa to those um, radical growth projections or forecasts of 7% over a 10-year period. So I am, for one, very proud of that um, blueprint for growth. I, I try to imagine the sort of person who might oppose it, I couldn't conjure up one, but of course there's always <laughs> there's always some people lurking out there, some pro-poverty, anti-growth um, people lurking out there. But I do um, encourage people to go and give it a read, watch a webinar. Um, there's some really good nuggets in there for the sort of direction South Africa could take if it abandoned a lot of the policies that have just devastated um, the economy. And you can find that webinar on the uh, IRR's uh, 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 YouTube page, um, if you search for that. Also on the IRR's website, you can find the report. Anyway, that's the time we have for today. We hope you found this show interesting. We will be back tomorrow with The Daily Friend Show. Hope you all have a wonderful day. That's a wrap.